All right, fellow fact checkers, we've got a brand new sponsor, and I am excited to promote this product. It's Fox and Sons Coffee. Now, Fox and Sons Coffee is a family-owned and operated small business selling whole bean, organically roasted, amazingly good coffee. On their website, Steve, the company's founder, describes how his love of coffee started with special Saturdays with his dad when he was growing up. Steve wants to share his love of coffee with you and the entrepreneurial spirit with his sons. Check out the website, foxnsons.com. And take a look at their best offer. A monthly subscription for three bags of coffee with free shipping for $38.89. Also, Steve's been on the show. He's a friend of the show. He follows us on the morning after as well as here on Fact Check This Podcast. Steve is a great dude. Great company to support. So go check out Fox and Sons Coffee. And get your morning started off right with a bag of delicious Fox and Sons Coffee. Let's start the show. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This Podcast. All right, Fact Check This Podcast, and today I'm continuing reading articles about random stuff. Today's random stuff probably isn't going to be of particular interest to a whole lot of people, but it's super interesting to me because it's something that I've been saying and talking about since uh, 2008. So today's article is about corn-based ethanol. And the reason that I thought that this article was important is, number one, it's super fucking old. The article itself is from 2014. So this is stuff that I was saying this in 2008 going forward. Uh, I've been out of the grain industry since 2015, 26, early 2016 is when I got out of the grain industry. And a lot of this stuff... like. We've known for years that corn-based ethanol doesn't work. It's inefficient. At, at best, it's inefficient. Sugar cane-based ethanol. So this is the argument that I was making at the time that, that the Bush administration and then the Obama administration were putting all of these um, subsidies on ethanol, specifically on corn-based ethanol. Was you, and the research was all out there. Like It didn't take much to go find this stuff. It was cheaper and more efficient for U.S. fuel companies to buy and import sugarcane-based ethanol from South America than it was to produce corn-based ethanol in the United States. This has been a false market from the beginning, but it's something that's being driven by the USDA and big government lobbies. Uh, specifically, Monsanto. Imagine that, Monsanto having a finger in something. But Monsanto is a big agricultural producer. Specifically, they have a huge thumbprint in corn markets. So why not push corn-based ethanol? Because that helps Monsanto. It, it And it drove the price of corn up. It artificially inflated corn prices for literally 15 years. There was no reason that corn should have been that high for that long. Except that there was this unnatural demand that was created by the corn subsidies. But the way the corn subsidies worked was the only way that corn-based ethanol was profitable for the companies making it was if gasoline stayed above three dollars 
and if corn prices stayed around $5. If corn went much higher than that, then it became unprofitable. If gasoline prices came down lower than that, then it was not profitable. So you got all of these things working together, which gives the government an incentive to suppress oil production, keep oil prices and gas prices high so that you can keep dumping money into ethanol. Starting to see how all of this stuff kind of intertwines and works together. So anyway, we'll get to the article. And like I said, this is uh, fairly old. It's from April of 2014. And it is called, it's final. Corn ethanol is of no use. Okay, we can stop pretending biofuel made from corn is helpful in planet and the environment. The United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released two of its working group reports at the end of last month. And in their short discussion of biofuels, has ignited a fierce debate as to whether they're of any environmental benefit at all. The IPCC was quite diplomatic in its discussion, saying biofuels have direct fuel cycle GHG emissions that are typically 30 to 90% lower than those for gasoline or, bio, or diesel fuels. However, since for some biofuels indirect emissions, including from land use change, can lead to greater total emissions than when using petroleum products, policy support needs to be considered on a case-by-case -case basis. The summary of the new report also states increasing bioenergy crop cultivation poses risk to ecosystem and biodiversity. The report lists many potential negative risks of development, such as direct conflicts between land for fuels and land for food, as land use change, water scarcity, loss of biodiversity, and nitrogen pollution through the excessive use of fertilizers. The International Institute for Sustainable Development was not so diplomatic and estimates that the CO2 and climate benefits from replacing petroleum fuels with biofuels like ethanol are basically zero. They claim that it would be almost 100 times more effective and much less costly than to significantly reduce vehicle emissions through more stringent standards and to increase CAFE standards on all cars and light trucks over 40 miles per gallon was done in Japan just a few years ago. Uh, with more than 60 nations having biofuel mandates, the competition between ethanol and food has become a moral issue. Groups like uh, Oxfam and the Environmental Working Group oppose biofuels because they push the food prices and disproportionately affect the poor. More importantly, the new IPCC report is a complete about-face for the UN's panel. Its 2007 report was broadly condemned by some environmentalists for giving the green light to large-scale biofuel production resulting in environmental and food supply problems. The general discussion on biofuels has changed over the last few years. In December, Senators Feinstein and Coburn introduced a bill that would eliminate the corn ethanol mandate with federal renewable fuel standard that requires blending ethanol into gasoline at increasing levels over the next decade. It was met with stiff, op stiff opposition from ag heavy agricultural states, but has strong support from the petroleum industry. However, now that the tax credit and import tariffs have expired and ethanol is holding its own economically, it remains to be seen if, in, if the industry can stand up to this pressure. So where is the U.S. today in corn ethanol space? I'm going to pause from reading. So, number one, 
Feinstein and Coburn are still in <laughs> are still in the Senate fucking eight years later. They were old as shit then. So, uh, I mean, that's just not to do with any of that in particular. But a lot of this has been about the environmental impact, which I'm not so much concerned about the environmental impact. I, I think it's I think the environmental impact that gets put on it is also a moot point because the CO2 oxygen trade out with actually having like green growing stuff, like there's a huge environmental advantage to growing things, uh, trees and, and plants generally speaking are, are a positive, a net positive in that regard. Uh, so like you're not, I don't think, I don't think the CO2 levels are, um, read Michael Crichton's State of Fear. I've mentioned it multiple times on multiple shows over the last few months. Uh, it's all kind of a crock of shit anyway. But when you're talking about like the the food and stuff, um, like that was a big thing when the corn-based ethanol was really getting kicked off was the plan that the government had in place in 2005, six, when it was really starting to ramp up corn-based ethanol and the production of it was that they were going to put in all of these ethanol plants all over the country. And the sheer volume of corn that would be required to make the ethanol that they were, that they were wanting. It didn't exist. Like we don't produce that much corn we produce more corn in the U.S. than anywhere else on the planet, and we don't produce that much corn. So it was going to be, it was going to be a tough thing because then you're also looking at, okay, like you have all of the the big chicken feeders, you have all of the big hog producers, uh, cattle yards. Like there's a lot of corn that goes towards actually feeding our livestock, feeding the animals that are used to feed us. At the same time, there's also a large, a large portion of land that's used for growing corn, like the like sweet corn, like the corn that we actually eat. See, that's and there's a big difference that like the average person who doesn't have a farm background doesn't know is like there is a big difference between what you would consider field corn and what you would consider like food grade corn, like the corn that we eat, like sweet corn and stuff like that. So the acreage that would be required for for producing the ethanol you would have to you would have to convert like 100% of the acres the corn acres into just the, the like the field corn and then it's not going to feed it would be going to ethanol so like there was a huge huge problem with that right off the bat and that's also part of why it drove the corn price up so much because now there's a huge now there's a huge fight for like where is this corn going to and it was all driven by this dumbass government program to subsidize and push for more corn-based ethanol. Well, then at the same time, like you have to keep in mind that we, we also grow other things. There's wheat, uh, barley, sorghum, soybeans, uh, rice. Corn is not the only thing that we grow. And, and then where do all those other acres go? So that's a lot of the uh, corn-based ethanol and the subsidy and push by the federal government to make that something that was mandatory is a lot of what drove grain prices for a number of years. 
for for probably 10 years or more. And it it really created this unsustainable market in the agricultural community, which I'll get to when I when I get done with the with the article and everything. Like the the implications that the push for corn-based ethanol had on the entire agricultural community is now being seen on the tail end of this as things have kind of gotten back to normal, more or less. Uh, a a strong Trump economy with relatively decent trade going. So the way that like there was the fight about um, between Trump and China, and there was all the talk about the soybean contracts being canceled and all of this other stuff that was going on at the time, and the market took a dip, and it was all it was all bullshit the way it was being spun by the mainstream media, and that like. The way that that stuff was being spun at the time was that it was all Trump's fault. But if you look at the markets and you look at the time of the year and and you look at what was going on in Brazil, because Brazil is also one of the big exporters of soybeans in particular to China. And uh, we have seen a course correction of the commodity markets over the last four to six years, which is a good thing. The the price levels that those markets were at from from really 2000 five or six when when the big push for ethanol and biofuels really started up until like the mid 20 teens uh 2015 16 um but that was that was an unnatural market it was an inflated market based on a lot of this bullshit that it it never should have been like that right uh, like the su- supply and demand really got thrown out the window during that time because it was all based on subsidies and and government programs and all of this stuff and uh it it never made any sense to me. And that was that was why it started like in 2008 going forward, the whole time I was in the grain industry, that was why I kept I, like I was harping against it all along because it didn't make any sense. The the actual like business metrics of the prices being where they were didn't make sense versus supply and demand. And if, it, if it's not government subsidy related, then none of this exists. You don't have all of these problems. But anyway, um, so anyway, around the time when everybody was like harping about how Trump was killing the American farmer because these um, uh, contracts were getting dropped out in by China and all of this other stuff. That was also when you're looking at the U.S. soybean and corn harvest are getting ready to start, and the market always takes a dip right before right before harvest starts, especially if you have a good crop. Uh, if you have good crop reports and it looks like you're going to have good crops that year, which that year it looked like it was going to be really good crops. The weather had been favorable for it all year. Also, that's the time of year where Brazil is on the tail end of their harvest season. So they're really trying to push to get stuff out. So it makes more sense as you see the market starting to drop that China is going to cancel their higher contracts so that they can turn around and get in on the lower price as it, the new season starts up. And they can fill those contracts that they're not going to miss out on any of their supply because they can fill those contracts off of Brazil. And Brazil is going to be selling that at lower because their season is winding down and they're just trying to get everything out. So if you understand how the markets and, and the actual economics and the logistics of that works, then all of that that happened in whenever it was 20, 2018, when it was, you know, Trump and China were fighting and all these contracts are getting dropped. Yeah, but it makes sense. Like Trump and China might be fighting over stuff, but the reason that China is doing all this is not because they're fighting with Trump. They're doing it because it makes financial sense to do that. So anyway, back to 
the total tangent didn't matter at all to this conversation, but back to the uh, topic at hand or the article. Uh, so where is the U.S. today in ethanol and corn ethanol space? And granted, this is when I say today, this is 2014. It's not changed a whole lot in the last six, eight years, but we're going to go through the article anyway. Uh, in 20, in 2000, over 90 percent of the U.S. corn crop went to feed people and livestock. Many in underdeveloped, underdeveloped countries with less than 5 percent used to produce ethanol. In 2013, however, 40 percent went to produce ethanol. 45 percent was used for feed livestock, and only 15 was used for food and beverage. The United States will use over 130 billion gallons of gasoline this year and over 50 billion gallons of diesel. On average, one bushel of corn can produce uh, can be used to produce just under three gallons of ethanol. If all of the present population or production of, US cor of corn in the U.S. were converted into ethanol, it would only displace 25% of that 130 billion. But it would completely disrupt food supplies, livestock feed, and many poor economies in the Western Hemisphere because the U.S. produces 40% of the world's corn. 70% of all corn imports worldwide come from the U.S. Simply implementing mandatory vehicle fuel efficiencies of 40 miles per gallon would accomplish much more, much faster with no collateral damage. Again, this is going back to all the things that I already said about the the acreage and production stuff like that, like the logistical problems of of the government's mandates to to produce all of this ethanol. Their uh, their vehicle efficiencies of forty miles per gallon. I agree completely with that, but it's going to take a huge. In this case, not just you know, like using the euphemism, but it's it would literally take a act of Congress to make the the fuel company or the not the fuel companies the car companies get on board with doing it. And they, I am sure they have the technology and the capability, but they won't do it. And that's that's a whole other discussion. Excuse me. In 2014, the U.S. will use almost 5 billion bushels of corn to produce over 13 billion gallons of ethanol fuel. The grain required to fill a 25-gallon gas tank with ethanol can feed one person for a year. So the amount of corn used to make that 13 billion gallons of ethanol will not feed, almost, will not feed the almost 500 million people it was feeding in 2000. This is the entire population of the Western Hemisphere outside of the United States. In 2007, the global price of corn doubled as a result of an explosion in ethanol production in the U.S. Because corn is the most common animal feed and has many other uses in the food industry, the price of milk, cheese, eggs, meat, corn-based sweeteners, and cereals increased as well. The world grain reserves dwindled to less than two months, the lowest level in 30 years. Additional unintended effects of the increase in the ethanol production included the dramatic rise in land rents, the increase in natural gas and chemicals used for fertilizer, overpumping of aquifers like the Ogala that served many Midwestern states, clear-cutting forests to plant fuel crops, and the revival of destructive practices such as edge tillage. Edge tillage is planting right up to the edge of the field, thereby removing protective bordering lands and increasing soil erosion, chemical runoff, and other problems. It took us 40 years to end edge tillage in this country, and overnight, ethanol brought it back with a vengeance. 
Most fuel crops, such as sugarcane, have problems similar to corn because Brazil relied heavily on imported oil for transportation, but can attain high yields from crops in their tropical climate. The government developed the largest fuel ethanol program in the world in the 90s based on sugarcane and soybean. Unfortunately, Brazil is clear-cutting almost a million acres of tropical forest per year to produce biodiesel or to produce biofuel from these crops and shipping much of that fuel all the way to Europe. The net effect is about 50% more carbon emitted by these biofuels than using petroleum fuels. Uh, these unintended, unintended effects are why energy policy and development must proceed holistically, considering all effects on global environments and economies. So that's kind of some bullshit. Um, that's that's some economic, uh, not economic. That's some environmental drip. Um, the reason that the reason that South America, and particularly Brazil, is is cutting down forests and stuff like that is they have growing populations. They need the food. They need the. It's not. They're not doing it specifically to produce uh, biofuels. They're doing it because they have an actual need for. In economic and uh, food growth, and the interesting and fun thing about sugarcane-based ethanol is it's made from the silage. So, so they use the cane to make you know to make the sugar, but everything that's left over from the plant, that's what gets broken down and ground up and used to produce the ethanol. So it's Sugar, uh, sugar cane based ethanol is, it's not like where corn based ethanol uses the corn itself to produce the ethanol. They use the silage. They use the leftover parts of the sugar cane to make the ethanol. So it's way more efficient. Like that's a, the ethanol is a byproduct of the sugar cane, not a direct extraction from the 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 sugar cane itself. So that like that's a distinction that they don't that they don't make here. That uh and it's just like I said, that's that's some environmentalist dribble that's doesn't really have the that, that's not based in real world type stuff. So why have we pushed corn ethanol so heavily here in the United States? Uh pr primarily because it was the only crop that had existed existing infrastructure to easily modify for this purpose especially when initially incentivized with tax credits, subsidies, and import tariffs. Production, transportation, and fermentation could be adapted quickly by the corn industry, unlike any other crop. We should remember that humans originally switched from biomass to fossil fuels because biomass was so inefficient and took so much energy to space and produce. Uh, energy and space to produce. So far, technology has not reversed these problems sufficiently to make widespread use beneficial. But what else can we use to produce biofuel? Two leading strategies involving ethanol production from a degradation of cellulostics and biodiesel for production from algae. A common alcohol, methanol, or ethanol, has been harnessed for, by humans for millennia, made enough of the microbial con uh, conversion of biomass materials, typically sugars, through fermentation. The process starts with a solution of fermentable sugars fermented by ethanol to ethanol by microbes, and then the ethanol is separated and purified by distillation. Fermentation involves microorganisms, typically yeast that involved that evolved billions of years ago in our atmosphere, blah, 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 a lot of bullshit. Um, <clears throat> we're going to skip. There's a lot of jargon. 
Cellulostics are abundant and much of the supply is considered waste. Cellulostics are comprised of lignin, hemicellulose, and cellulose. Lignin provides structural support for the plant. Uh, thus, efficiently making ethanol out of cellulostics requires a different approach than for corn. Cellulostics is what they make the the sugar cane based ethanol in South America out of. Instead of using the corn itself, they can do the same thing that they do with the sugar cane there. You can use the silage from the corn to make ethanol. But as this this is going to explain why that's uh, more complicated. Efficiently making ethanol out of cellulose requires a different approach than for corn. They can either be reacted with acid, sulfuric is most common, degraded using enzymes produced from microbes, or heated to a gas and reacted with chemical catalyst, thermochemical. Each has its variations, some can be combined, and all are attempting to be commercialized. Still, these processes are stuck at about twice the price per gallon produced compared to corn. Recently, special microorganisms have been genetically engineered to ferment these materials into ethanol with relatively high efficiency. So it's no wonder we just went with corn. Another less discussed biofuel strategy is biodiesel replacing petroleum uh, diesel. Biodiesel is made by combining almost any oil or fat with alcohol such as ethanol or methanol. Biodiesel can run any diesel engine without modification and produces less toxic emissions and particulates than, bio, uh, than petroleum diesel. It causes less wear and tear on engines and increases lubric lubricity and engine efficiency and releases about 60% less CO2 emissions than petroleum diesel. Uh, Rudolph Diesel originally developed the diesel engine to run on diesel from food oils such as peanut and soybean, but animal fats and any other natural oil can be used. However, almost 100 years ago, the need for fuel outstripped the supply of natural oils and petroleum became on the only abundant source available. So this is something that I haven't talked about at all because the uh, the biodiesel side of this, which is biodiesel industry in the United States, is primarily made from soybeans, and they actually have a lot of success with this. Um, a lot of the like the soy processing plants that do biodiesel, there's uh, the the soy meal that is left over after they produce the biodiesel. That has uh, that has a lot of benefit, especially with the way they mix different feeds and stuff and feed grains into uh, food for animals. And also, unfortunately, uh, a lot of stuff is being made from soy, so they you they can use that soy soy meal to make human food or uh, meat substitutes for humans. Uh, so, so anyway, the the stuff that's left over from like the the distillers dried grains is or ddgs is what the leftover grain from corn processing uh processing corn into ethanol is called and it it's it has a very specific use like you can't use ddgs for just anything um but it it can be used as a as a feed supplement or as a supplement in animal feed but it has to be used at kind of low levels whereas the the meal that's left over from biodiesel, that, that soy meal is kind of a general purpose use. Like it can be used for just about anything. It doesn't, it doesn't have a real specific or limited use. Uh, also 
when they're doing this and like they're extracting the oil from it, they <clears throat> they have dual purpose. It can either be used for biodiesel or it can be used just as soybean oil. Uh, you know, say what you will about seed oils, but they have uh, soy oil has a lot of practical use in the food markets and and other things. Uh, so. So biodiesel is one of those things that, as it's talking about here, like it could be a realistic alternative going forward. But the the thing that I wanted to really focus on and tried to focus on is like the the corn based ethanol. That's that's the one that is like a complete fucking waste of time and 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 energy. Uh, so anyway, carrying on with this. Uh, uh, the most common natural oils. uh used are rapeseed and canola oil, but a particularly promising candidate is oil from algae. Algae production uses non-productive land and brine water and produces over 20 times the oil production of any food crop. An acre of algae can also produce almost 5,000 gallons of biodiesel. It does not compete with food crops for arable land or potable water and can produce over 60 billion gallons per year that would replace all petroleum-based diesel in the U.S. However, all algae production facilities presently sell their crops to the food and cosmetic industry at a much greater profit than what they would get from the fuel industry. I guess for biofuels, as for any other source, there's just no such thing as a free lunch. So looking at all that, and the reason that I thought it was important to bring this up is during this calendar year in particular, especially since the whole thing in Ukraine is broken out, Joe Biden has really been talking about and pushing that they want to produce more corn-based ethanol. Like anything the government does, when they pushed for corn-based ethanol, it fucked everything else up. If they're going to have a renewed push for corn-based ethanol, because like he was talking about this back in early in the year. He was talking about this before planting season. So I haven't looked at the, the crop numbers this year, but if corn, if corn prices have gone up, and corn acres have gone up because they're trying to ramp up to make more corn-based ethanol to try to get the price of gas down and to try to like fight off the fuel shortage or whatever. It's only going to have negative impacts on everything else. Like you're going to see your food as if your food prices haven't gone up enough. The drive and the push for more corn-based ethanol is only going to serve to push those prices higher. Everything the government does turns around and fucks you. And this is going to be no different. So keep an eye on that. Let's see. I haven't heard them talk about it a whole lot over the last few months. So maybe maybe they pulled back on it. Uh, and maybe it was just bluster the whole time. But corn-based ethanol has been a total shit show. I was saying it in 2008. They actually finally reported on it in 2014. And yet they've still continued to push for it, at least to some extent. So maybe at some point people actually start to take a look at this and realize, holy shit, we're fucking an entire planet over trying to turn corn into fuel. Hope you learned something from this. Uh, and if not, sorry, I don't know. Uh, like I said at the beginning, this probably wasn't going to be one for everybody, but it's a lot of information that people need need especially in the fuel crisis that we're experiencing not as much here in the u.s but across the globe um but you know the energy crisis isn't going anywhere and they're going to continue to push for 
dumb bullshit like this that they're going to claim is like green or whatever or more environmentally uh, conscious or what the fuck ever when it's not actually. It doesn't do anything for the environment. Not that I care about that, but they do. And to pretend that it does is a complete crock of shit. Plus, it doesn't actually bring the price of fuel down any. Plus, it drives the price of food up. So, everything about this is a crock of shit. That's all you need to know. And now you have the tools at your disposal that if somebody starts telling you how we need more biofuels, we fucking don't. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, a great rest of your week, and I will be back next time with another one of these articles. Uh, I think my next one will actually be about um, the dystopian vision of the health information police. This was a very interesting article, and I've been trying to figure out where I wanted to do it. I think I'll do it for the next one. In the meantime, have a good one, everybody. Don't forget to head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check out our longest and most favorite sponsor, Carlos Vanessa Abelar and Paloma Verde CBD. Get all of your CBD needs, and you get 10% off your order of $75 or more, plus anything over $75 is free shipping. So head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com to get all your CBD needs. Have a good week, everybody.